Hey, this is Jade Chang, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. And on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Jade Chang. She's the author of The Wangs vs. The World. Jade, how are you? Good. Hi, Tony. (laughs) I saw you um, a few weeks ago. Oh, my God, I forgot the author's name. When you were at Skylight Books and you were hosting uh, that event. Um, you were interviewing her, and it's Bradley. Which? Oh, you do you do a, do you do a lot of events? I do. Bradley. I don't remember a Bradley. That's then forget about that. But how, how do you what, what how do you hook up doing so many events like interviewing authors? Uh, usually, someone from the publishing house or the bookstore asks. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes you know it's a friend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was fantastic because you have such a you have a laid back style that I really love. Like some people really get up there, and it's just like you could tell one they're nervous, and two they're trying to like really impress everyone. And you kind of go up there, and you're just like, "Hey, we're all here, and we're going to talk." Yeah. Well, I do find that in those kinds of events, when people are trying to sound smart, that's the worst. Yes. I mean, yeah, I think not being afraid to sound really dumb is definitely an asset. (laughs) Yeah, this is what this whole podcast is, is not being afraid to sound dumb. And trust me, I do it a lot. Good. You're going the right way. So um, how many years has uh, The Wings vs. The World been out? Has it been a few years now? Uh, it came out October 2016. Yeah. Yes. And your life has changed. I see you're wearing mink and glitter. Yes, yes. All diamonds, head to toe, just like dripping in them. Yeah. What was it like getting, what was it like when your first book was like published? What did it feel like? Oh, what did it feel like? I, you know, it really doesn't feel the way you think it will feel, though I can't say what I thought it would feel like uh-huh. either. Um I mean, I think there is just so much work to do around it, you know, around the release, like right before, right after, that it just, it just feels like part of a a crazy, like, crunch of stuff. I think that, you know, I think the moment that it was sold, I think that felt very much like, like a giant relief. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've been writing for many years before the, you finally got a book published, right? Is that the case? Uh, I mean, I was a journalist for a while before. Right, I right. Yeah. And then I worked on this book for a long time. I, it took me like five years to write this book. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's so funny that the moment of the book being sold versus the book coming out, because that was kind of the same for me, too, yeah. where it was just like when it came out, I was expecting just, par, you know, parades and... You know, people coming up to me going, oh, wait, you're the guy. And I got none of that. None of it. That's very endearing. that That's what you're expecting. Because I have to say I felt the opposite. Like, I think I was just expecting to feel very personally celebratory. But instead, I was like, well, I have so much stuff to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Like, there's just so much work in in terms of the promotion, which is great. Like, I was glad to have the opportunity to do all of it. But definitely... uh, it feels like, um, you know, the actual day that it's out feels like a little bit like just another day. In like the se- Yeah, in the sense that you've already had so many other, you know, you have the day it was sold. You have the day that you see the, the galley for the first time, the, when you see the hardcover for the first time. Like, I think those moments definitely feel a little bit more like 
oh my god it's a book yeah. you know yeah so so did were you how did you submit it out like did you go to agents and just start submitting there and is that how you you went that route yeah 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 i did like the pretty traditional write a whole book send you know write a query letter send it out to agents that whole thing yeah Yeah. and when did you know the book was done did you send that book out like because i I know this happened for me the first agents i started to query um, I got the same notes from them. They liked the book, but, and they said the same thing. So I did a rewrite and then it sold. So I put a lot of work into it before I even sent it out. Yeah. I mean, I would say I wrote kind of, I would call it maybe like the fourth or fifth draft was what I sent to friends to have them read it. So I had a bunch of friends who were writers. I'll read it first and kind of got feedback from them and rewrote based on that. And then I actually had a bunch of friends who were all just like really avid readers read it. And then, you know, got feedback from them and did a little bit of a rewrite based on that. And then I like went through from beginning to end again. And then I sent it out. So by the time I sent it out, it really had gone through like round after round after round. Yeah, yeah. So it was, I mean, it was interesting. I think I finished it, I think I finished it like the end of uh, 2014. And then I, I... I sent it out to a bunch of agents and got kind of immediate. I'm sure that anyone listening to this knows this whole drill. You write a query no, letter. Everyone, you. Yeah. There's. I've gotten the. I mean, I, I I teach sometimes at the library and sometimes okay. at UCLA Extension. Yeah. And the question is, um, so where should I where should I indie publish this? And I was like, yeah, I know indie publish means self publish and right. don't. <laughs> That's my answer. I mean, I don't know. I I think that it really depends on what you're willing to do. Right. I do think that like a genre writer, a romance writer who who really knows how to like work different SEO tricks, who's willing to kind of change their cover over and over again, who's willing to do like a million of those marketing things, maybe should self-publish, like depending on, you know. And those people also need to be at every single romance writers conference. They have to be in the community, but like, like for like literary fiction or stuff, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had, you know, written the query letter, sent it out to a bunch of agents who were all like recommendations from friends and oh, things like that, and got a really good kind of quick response where everyone asked to see the full manuscript. And then I was waiting for like months and months and months to hear back from them. And I was sort of like, oh, I can't take this anymore. And I sent it out to another round of um, kind of like, dream agents basically yeah, I was like yeah. all right great I'm just gonna shoot just gonna like shoot for the stars and and I wrote a much more kind of like heartfelt query letter you know it was, it was just more it was less formal it was more personal and it was it was nuts I got like a really fast response um kind of sent you know sent out another bunch of manuscripts and then heard back from all of them like immediately pretty much it was all like within a week and then yeah and then i ended up uh getting my agent through that kind of second round yeah yeah 
Because a lot of people use the recommendation method, and that's the easier method to get yeah. in. And you went, like, you went, what do they call that? Uh, Cold call, yeah yeah yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And I think that um, you know, I think part of it is just like not—it's just being. I mean, I know that this. I feel like this is a kind of the kind of advice that gets said over and over again. But I think just being really authentic, you yes. know. Yeah. Do you think being authentic in that query letter was yeah. kind of took you to the next level? I do. I think yeah. that people were just sort of like, "Oh, this is interesting." Okay, like. Yeah. She talks normal. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and honestly, it wasn't even like my first round was so formal at all. You know, it just was a little more kind of like T's crossed, I's dotted kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. You said yo instead of dear. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said what's up instead of I hope this finds you well. Yes, yes. So, so, uh, so your agent. Uh, so you found your agent, and then, and then, what was the game plan? Did he give you a game plan of what you were gonna do and kind of take you through the process, or you just said, "I got my people. Uh, I'll we'll talk later." Yeah, it just uh, it all kind of turned around really fast. He, um, yeah, I got a bunch of responses from people. He. He actually flew out to L.A. to to meet me. Yeah, no <laughs> he way. did. He did. Oh, my God. Yeah, which was kind of nuts. And yeah. uh, That doesn't happen. Did he have other meetings? He. It, do you know if he had other meetings here? He did not. He came just to fly out for you. Okay. Oh, my God. I never met an author like this before. Okay, this is new level stuff. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did that How did that meeting go? Where your agent from New York flies out to LA to have lunch with you? It was great, but you know, also, I mean, I know it's it's you know feels like very extravagant, but it's also it's New York, LA. It's not like he flew to like Tokyo to meet me. You know, he flies to LA all the time. Okay, okay. Well, I was in San Francisco. My agent didn't fly out. But she did. But after the book yeah. came out, she did come out and had other things to do and then yeah. got me dinner. Yeah. 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 You got to get you got. I mean, uh-huh. you need to get at least one dinner out of your agent. Uh, definitely. I mean, yeah. what's the point otherwise? Yes. Yeah. It's about the food because, oh, yeah, you've done journalism. Yeah. yeah it's, when you're doing journalism like I did, I did freelance, you know, yeah. for the Chronicle and other stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was about um, what. Oh, well, there's going to be a press screening. Great. What were we going to eat? And they would always put the list of food that was going to be there. And it was just like, okay. And it was always about getting the food and we'll stay for the screening. Oh, wait, that was kind of cool. Okay, I'll interview that person. Yeah, that's how you get people to do anything, including really rich people. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Everyone loves free food. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I I thought it was just me. I remember there was this one time I went to an event and... um, the event lasted forever. It was a Lawrence Ferlinghetti celebration event like five years ago. Tom Waits played. Winona Ryder came out and did her thing. And it went on and on. Patti Smith came out and wrote some poetry. No, there were snacks, but they were downstairs and we had to wait. And it was a three hours. And this is where my stomach is growling so bad. I don't give a shit that Tom Waits is playing piano. I want to go eat. So I tear my ass downstairs to the, they kind of had like a green room area. Snacks in? Yeah, yeah. No, they had sushi. They had, it was like off the hook. Come on. Okay. But there's more to the story. I'm starving so much. Patty Smith is standing there and I say hi. And she goes, hi. But I had to leave because I was about to kill somebody. 
And so I was grabbing as much sushi as possible. And then I ran back to Patty, where Patty Smith was. I was like, where did Patty Smith go? Oh, she left. So, you, so because of your greed, yes. you missed having a heart-to-heart yes. with Patty Smith. Yes. Tony, I'm I sorry. Know. I know. That is the opposite of an agent flying out from New York to L.A. <laughs> to have a meal with you. Pretty much, Wait, yeah. I think that's the polar opposite. I think it might be. Yeah. I'm sorry, sorry for you, <laughs> but yes. And you know what? I deserve yeah. to never, ever speak to her in our lifetime Probably. because of that. You know, I um, interview. I worked at Goodreads for a while, oh, and right. I did some of the author interviews there. And I was going to interview her for M Train, but I l- lost my voice like completely. Like I couldn't even whisper. I lost my voice the day before, and so it was too late to kind of get someone else. And Patty Smith wasn't going to like reschedule with us, right. you know. So one of the other editors had to, we were on Slack and I gave her a list of all my questions and then she had to do the interviewing and then I would, I would type like follow up questions to her. But also Patty Smith was so nice about it all. And she kept like, she kept stopping and being like, okay, here's another thing I do for my voice, you know, trying to, yeah, yeah, it was very sweet. Yeah. She, I, I love listening to interviews with her because she's just so tender. You couldn't do the Stephen Hawking thing where it's like, hello, here's my voice. Oh. No, I really just had, uh, yeah, nothing. Damn. I know. Oh, well, I mean, that, but that, just, I fucked up way more than you fucked up, though, I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I had a more intimate experience with exactly. Patty Smith because of it. Yes. Because she's someone who has to constantly take care of her voice, right. especially if she gets older, if she's going to yeah. belt out those songs. Yeah. So she's going to want to have that intimacy with you going, oh, my God, I, I, know the, I know the solution to your ailment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She was very kind about it. Hey, now, what was Goodreads like? I mean, because I love, I love, like, I've loved Goodreads out the gate. That's just like a website made for me. So, so what was it like to get a job there? And then, what, like, what was your responsibilities there? Uh, well, I was really lucky. I worked from home. They were based in San Francisco. I oh, worked, really? yeah, I worked from home in LA. I should have got a job. I was in San Francisco. You Damn tried. it! Yeah, um, but I mean, it was great. It was a great. It was, you know. For me, like the best kind of arrangement for a day job. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, but you got part of it was interviewing authors and. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I worked um, essentially on the editorial side of things. They have a bunch of different newsletters. I helped put those together. Um, I also helped them launch a few of like the YA newsletter, the romance newsletter, things like that. I did. these like video interviews with the authors. So yeah, it was really fun. When you did video interviews, was that out of LA and did you have like a setup somehow? It was a complex and stupid setup basically where the, cause this was, this was this started maybe seven years ago. So the authors had to, you couldn't record video remotely essentially or not, for free anyway and so they the authors had to record themselves with their own video cams and then and I gave them like a whole kind of tip sheet for like here's how to look good you know here's how to like set it up etc and then um, no I'm sure you actually could do this technically I just didn't know exactly how to do it and this seemed like the kind of 
least like accident prone way to do it so yeah so they recorded themselves and then uploaded the video for me and then i edited it and everything yeah yeah so they had no one throwing them questions they had to no i was there yes i was there asking them questions then i cut myself out of the yeah what a great uh, that is a great strategy yeah and then i replaced them with like question cards basically that just had like a brief version of the question written oh, okay. down. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it becomes like a lot snappier, kind yeah. of. Yeah. And and all you need to so it's not like you have to get a crew and get the lighting right. just right. Exactly, exactly. Like we really had to do it as low budget as possible. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the fun thing about working for a tech startup is. I mean, I went in there not knowing how to code at all, not knowing how to do you know any editing work, and I. And then, uh, like, my first week on the job, I was like, oh, wait, I guess I have to learn how to do all these things. Yeah, yeah. But it was good. I love the baptism by fire part of, like, this stuff. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's like, go interview an author and get video. And you're just like, and how? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched so many YouTube tutorials. By the way, also, people are so generous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people make these... It, I mean, I get it that they, like, make money off of these things on YouTube, but a lot of, I mean, I don't think peop- a lot of people are making that much money. Right. And they're, they're just making these, like, step-by-step tutorials of how to use, like, various editing programs. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of it's passion, too, which was funny when you came and sat down. You're like, oh, wait, what is your gear? What are you using? Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking right away, I was like, does she do a podcast? But it makes sense because you had yeah. to deal with getting content uploaded reporter i think i'm always very conscious Uh of a of a recorder because if it fails everything's lost you know that's why i got a recorder that takes double a batteries i have been screwed so many times by internal batteries that i'm like double a it has to take double a's or nothing at all all these internal batteries can go die yeah yeah Yeah. well this one looks very hardy I just got that angst. What happened? I got like really angry about that. I am angry about internal batteries, though. It's just like never, ever. Always have my double A's on me. Always have backup. That's, I used to record from two different sources because I was so anal. Did you? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what, what did you record from? Because you only had well, uh, just two uh, two recorders, like two mini recorders, basically. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I had like I had some. I had the something similar to this with an internal mic, and then I would bring my video camera with that oh, mic on it. That that's how like I was lugging around way too much okay. equipment for yeah, yeah, silly yeah. stuff. But. See, I feel like setting up a video recorder would make someone nervous. Like if I walked in and you suddenly had a whole video thing set up, I'd be like, mm, "This is not not what I signed up for, Tony." I did yeah. that with Miranda July. <laughs> She seems like maybe the only person who'd be more agreeable to it. No, so here's what happened because I yeah. didn't, I, I screwed up because I didn't tell her that we switched to video. But okay. we were in San Francisco. It was, I think it was for her, um, for either her, it was for her book of short stories. Okay. And um, a friend of mine's like, well, why don't we videotape it and get it that way? So we, we got, we did the whole setup. They had the yeah. lighting and everything. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I just, and I was essentially going to, I was interviewing her out of right. frame. Right. We were gonna cut it like you yeah. like you did, and um, anyways, so my my friend Ray, who was working the camera, uh-huh. she he's like, oh, there's Miranda July, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, and then she saw the camera, and I he said she saw the camera, her eyes went wide, and she turned around and walked away. Really? I was like, oh shit, so I didn't know Did if we talked to her 
Yeah, I didn't know if we lost her. And I was like, oh crap. I didn't tell her that we were that she was doing video. What she did, 15 minutes later, she came back down, different clothes, okay. make made up yeah, yeah, and yeah. and camera ready essentially. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Which is my fault for not saying mm-hmm. be camera ready. I should have been the one that said that. Yeah. But you would have walked if I had video here? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you almost walked with the uh, with you're like, "Wait, a recorder?" No, I'm kidding. No, it's this giant microphone. <laughs> Did you forget about it though for a couple minutes? I'm still aware of it. <laughs> for for those who can't see, it is a giant microphone that's very long that Tony just like shoves in your face when when you start talking. <laughs> so <laughs> What's cool about it, I feel like it's the baton. I was going to like... Yeah, it is very baton-like. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like in therapy when you have like family therapy and they're like, no, no, you're not holding the bear. The person who holds the bear talks. So it's almost like a cue. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to get laughs. I was going to upgrade my gear, but then I realized this kind of just feels so much more normal for me to do the back and forth. I, I have to do things harder. I don't know why, but it just feels better to have to. Punk rock past. This is, this, is, this is how it all comes together. We'll call it that. It could be some type of other neurosis that might be cured by a pill, but we'll do that. <laughs> so, um, so also working for Goodreads, or what was like? Um, what was what was an interview you got where you were like, "Oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to interview this person." Oh. I mean, I, I got to interview really great people. I, I don't know that I had that exact response about anybody, but um, but yeah, I, I, sorry, I also have the worst memory. So like you asking me this right now, I literally can't remember who I interviewed. I mean, who did I interview? <laughs> now, um, well, yeah, no. Now I have the worst uh, follow-up question. <laughs> yeah, you had to do follow-up questions. So uh, when with your interview, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's easy when it, when it's someone else who has to do the talking. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's I have a hard. I don't have a hard time being interviewed for like my stuff, but it yeah. does take me. I know when I've listened to stuff, it takes yeah. me a little bit before I really start divulging. And I think I kind of need to know that I'm comfortable with the interviewer about 10 minutes in. Then I'm like, then they can't shut me up. (laughs) Yeah, that was, (laughs) if that makes sense. So, um, your, your family, when, when your family finds out that you have a novel coming out, what's, what's their reaction? Are they like, Oh, of course Jade's going to have, of course she's on this track. Or are they like, Oh my God, Oh, I mean, they knew I was working on something. Yeah. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they knew kind of, you know, the of the process as it was. Oh, yeah, as it was happening. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they were surprised. Yeah. So when I was, so like with my, with my novel, I got a divorce. With my film, I broke up with a, a woman that I thought that I was going to stay with for a very long time. So this, this at the, I realized this was my fault because I was... I, you were in a state of emotional turmoil, so then you... No, not that. No, that was their fault. That was totally their oh, fault. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Tell me more. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was my fault because I wasn't doing... I was not healthy enough to have healthy relationships. So okay. jealousy set in and I didn't pick up the cues early on. You're saying they were jealous of you. 
Uh, it was two very different situations, okay. but it was to the point where they were trying to sabotage either the novel or when I was working on the film stuff. It was about they they were they were actively sabotaging, and then I find yeah where it was just I needed like on the film I needed yeah. to work like fourteen hours a day to yeah. get scripts rewritten, yeah. rewritten, rewritten. So you were saying they were jealous of the time you were spending on the film, or they were jealous of the fact that you were making a, a film? Well, I found out later that it was a little, it was a little of both with the second okay. one, where she was, uh, she even wrote this horrible like. <laughs> I, I found this. She wrote this uh, supposed article on some weird website, and it just read more like a sad sixteen-year-old. And we'd been broken up for like three years already. And we were still friendly, and she had a new boyfriend. But um, she wrote this thing. Uh, that essentially inserted Eric Stoltz's name but someone else and said Eric Stoltz stole my boyfriend and then it was just this brutal like attack on me which I was just like well that's okay if you craft it right because I've written about our experiences and I you actually made me look way better than the stuff I've written and then but then she kind of went after my mom in a way and and she was friends with my mom and she kind of reframed what, what my mom was going through and that's when I went Oh wow! So I kind of had a redefinition of exactly what she was doing. So I was just like, "That's really fucked up." I'm glad I didn't stay anywhere near you, and I just kind of went ghost. Right, right, right. Well, making you maybe you were making bad initial choices, Tony. Yes, I was. No, that's why it was my fault. There was was, I've I've taken responsibility for that. Yeah, but did you have uh, like did you have any romance going on while you were while you were working on the novel? I mean, not romance. I'm just saying, were you like in any relationships or anything? Just tell all and what the, what their names were. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If this is really part of the interview. Well, the reason I bring it up uh-huh. is because, like, some people, yeah. like, if they're in a relationship uh-huh. and someone's working on a book, yeah. um, the it either makes the relationship stronger or or it breaks the relationship. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what I'm asking: is yeah. if you had that experience or not. I don't think the book has had any real impact on... Yeah, yeah, I don't think, like, me working on the book has had any real impact on my relationships. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I just... I mean, I just... uh, There was the author... Oh, my God, I can't remember his name. I feel so bad. He wrote The Churchgoer that just came out. And I met him and his wife. Uh And I told her, I was like, congratulations. And she said, thank you. And she's like wow you get it you get that it's a team effort and I was like yeah I was like no the significant other should be signing autographs as I've been put through hell as this person has been working on this for five years yeah so anyway thank you for that lengthy explanation there Jade what what other what other um, journalism did you do I was, I was reading about it uh, the, there was a piece you did that inspired the Wangs versus the world was that is that correct? You were you were writing for a, a magazine. I, it wasn't a piece I did. I was uh, I was working at Angelino Magazine, which is a local, it's kind of a local luxury magazine that is you know there to tell rich people how to spend their money basically. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, they should spend it on this podcast. Yes, totally. If I worked for them now, that is what I would tell them. Um, but I was invited. Well, I'm trying to think of the right year. I think it was 2000. I think it was 2008, and um, I was invited to go to the launch of the Trump Tower Dubai. Is this what you're thinking of? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so you went to Dubai. 
No, God, no, oh, I okay, wish. Okay. And I couldn't have because the, it, the tower never even broke ground. I mean, it never existed. Huh. So it was, That's a shame the presidency yeah. never uh, had broken ground. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was, it, was, um, it was a party to celebrate kind of the idea of a thing. And it was very, it was right before the crash. And it was at this giant mansion in Bel Air. And Trump was there. Ivanka was there. You know, lots of kind of semi-exciting Hollywood celebrities were there. Uh, Wolfgang Puck was there, kind of pre- actually preparing the hors d'oeuvres and handing them to people. It was all very, very, very over the top. And uh, I think it was the fact that it was this this sort of ridiculous party for something that did not actually exist um, in a moment when it seemed very clear that a recession was about to happen and or that a you know small like a few small things had already happened like it seemed a crash was kind of inevitable at that moment and yeah I just remember driving away from that party feeling like oh my god the world is about to change and uh, everything that exists in this world right here is going to be completely upended and it's just going to be like an exciting thing to to write about yeah yeah Yeah. and then so working for that magazine did you get a lot of those types of parties i'm talking about the food here (laughs) there was some good food oh yeah, yeah definitely um yeah there definitely were a lot of those parties and it's but it is a such it's such a weird position right when you go in as a journalist because you are your your presence there is so contingent on something that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really depends on kind of what it is that you want from the interaction, right? Like like if you want to feel like part of the party, like yeah. it, it's going to make you feel terrible, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. If you kind of feel like a fun interloper, then it's so fun yeah. and you just like go in and like get lots of free drinks and like take all the food and take some home and yeah like steal an extra goodie bag like and all of that is really fun but then there's a limit to like how fun that is right right like at a certain point that stops being fun yeah yeah i I went i found this out this year so i because i've been going to like a lot of screening events and you know a lot of this stuff where it's free free food free booze we're in los angeles you know jamie fox is walking by and so i was at this netflix gig and I was just and I went and I, here's here's how I would go up to the bar yeah. you know I was I'd be like oh yes two two wines please where is my wife <laughs> and I would be there with no one and then I'd turn around and I would put the yeah. I'd put the other thing yeah. and toss the drink down yeah. and so I got so shit-faced at this yeah. Netflix event uh-huh. that the next day I was just I was like, what the fuck? What did I, I killed- say to Jamie Foxx. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I had <laughs> that I have a black eye which I would have deserved right no so uh so the next day I was like, why do, why do I go there and get obliterated and not even remember these people? So I put a stop to it. I went, you know what? No, next 30 days I'm not drinking, okay. even when I go to these events. Yeah. So I went to a Comedy Central event the next okay. week. All booze, anything you wanted. I was having water and coffee. Okay. And great food, amazing food. And, and then I was sitting there interacting with people. And they're like, oh, you're a writer. And then I saw in their eyes, they're like, what can we squeeze out of this fella? Right. It, was, it wasn't like, oh, that's nice to meet you. Let's yeah, get to yeah, know yeah. each other. Yeah. It was that Hollywood vibe. And I walked out halfway through and I went, I don't like these things. I drink because I hate these things. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like a huge realization for me. And then I went again and it was just like, I was like, well, let me test that out again and right. not, not drink when there's free right. alcohol thrown at you. Right, right. And I was like, I still don't like these things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's sort of, you know, you're not, the, I mean, I think anything where there's, because an obligation isn't the right word. I can't think of the right word, but you know, anything where it's not something that you truly want to be at because you like everything about it, because you like the people, because you care about them and, and who they are and what they're doing. It's just like, are you going, are you, do you really want to kind of like sell your time for that? Yeah. You know? Am I really going to have a conversation with a celebrity who's actually going to give a shit that we have a conversation? You know, no. I, it's like, oh, I, I could tell my friends, oh, yeah, me and Brad Pitt were talking for a few minutes about, you know, smoked salmon. They'd be like, people would be like, oh, that's great. And then I, but you'd be like, and I had to be three sheets to the wind because I could right. give a shit because his eyes were looking around the room, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's really fun, you yeah. know, but, but yeah. I, I also, I mean, it's been a while since I've been at something that was where I was like, oh boy, like I would not be here if it yeah. wasn't for that, yeah. you know, but, um, but yeah, it is, I, I think especially like when you're working as a journalist and you're like, I'm getting paid, like I'll be paid like barely anything right. for this article. It just feels like a very strange position to be in. Yeah. I did. Well, when I first came to LA, um, Guitar Center and Jimmy Kimmel Live had a promotion, and so I was uh, uh, this great this great singer songwriter Jeffrey Campbell, who yeah. was performing on Jimmy Kimmel Live. So they're like, you can follow him that night and write the story about it. Yeah. And so I did it for the Rumpus, but and I wasn't getting paid. But I wanted to be in the Jimmy Kimmel green room, and oh my God, ate everything I wanted, drank everything I wanted. And usually, like when publicists say I want to, they want to be there on the interview. Have you ever had that situation where the publicist wants to stick around? Yeah, yeah. And I usually say no, and I'm out. I'll walk away. Yeah. And I I did that once, and they like flipped out. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm not. We're gonna get to what we're gonna talk about. Anyway, but. They had me so fucked up. I didn't even care. She's like, can you mention Guitar Center again? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I have to write about that because that's just like the horroring of myself just so I could be in the Jimmy Kimmel green room. And, and it was a fantastic night. So. Wait, are you a Kimmel fan in general? Is that the... Oh, do, like, do I like... What was the appeal of his green, that green room in particular? Because I've heard about it. I heard yeah. that the green room on the show is uh -huh. like... They, they got a bartender. It's pinball machines. There's... Yeah. A friend of mine was on the show once and I went. Yeah. 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 Wasn't the green room yeah, rad? Yeah, 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 yeah. It totally was. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it's, and then the show's over and you're like, wait, where, where is everybody? And then, and then you go out the Hollywood Boulevard and keep going. Right. Right. Can you say who your friend was? Oh, yeah. It was a long time ago. He's a writer, Chris Ayers. He, uh, he wrote a, uh, a uh, nonfiction book. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. and what was his experience like on the show? Because um, he was that he was an actual guest with the yeah. dressing room, where I was in the band room, where they had like a shower and stuff. Because because uh, touring bands coming through usually got a shower before they go. You know, afterwards they're about to go do another show. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I I feel like it was with a few other friends and. 
feel like he mostly wasn't there. Like, we hung out in the green room yeah. with the band that I also can't remember now, like the band that was there, and it was super fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was, like, fun to watch that. And then, but his wife, who I'm friends with, uh, was out in the audience the whole time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they weren't really back there much, I can't, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. And I, well, it's got. I, it's what's funny is if I was if I was a guest on the Kimmel show, which you know, or any of those shows, yeah. the last thing I do is drink. I'd be just sitting there alone, yeah. not talking to anyone, so yeah, I can go yeah. put my five minutes in of. I'm a funny guy like you. <laughs> I mean, it is so. I was on Seth Meyers, and that was oh, yeah. It was super fun. I mean, yeah. yeah I think like actually doing the. Um, like the interview itself was actually surprisingly like yeah like yeah it's really fun yeah oh and that was for the book you got yeah. you got to be on Seth Meyers for the book that's fantastic yeah. that that's like huge that's huge props yeah yeah it was great i mean it was a real surprise it was kind of it was during um it was right after the election. It was literally like the oh, week after the election. So I had no idea if I was going to get bumped for, you know, like a political guest or something like that. So it was really, uh, yeah, it really wasn't until the day of that, uh, that we were like, all right, it's going to happen. Wow. Yeah. I, I love I love Seth Meyer just because of his background from SNL and yeah. working on all that. He's, yeah, yeah. he's kind of the fun ones. What was the gift bag? What was the gift bag? There was a lot of saltwater taffy. Was there? Yeah, it was really good. I love salt water, yeah, salt water yeah, yeah. taffy, and the, it, just, it was like a bunch of like snacks and like yeah. like Seth Meyers swag and stuff like like oh, late night swag and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And the mug? Did you get a mug? I did get a mug. Yeah. yeah. Still have it? I did, but I broke the handle sadly. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. I yeah. I got like two mugs that I just that are so important. And I got like I got them at the dollar store, but just for some odd reason, yeah. I'm very careful with them when I put them into the cabinet. Nobody else can drink out of them. It's, maybe it's because I don't have kids, so maybe that's my way of having kids, where I'm just like you know. <laughs> the mugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper. I don't have to sure, save college. Spend time with them every morning. Right, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who did a poopy? Who did a poopy? It's the owl mug. <laughs> yeah, what are the mugs? What's on them? So one is owls. It's three owls. Okay. And I found that at Goodwill. And then there's a, uh, what's the other one? Oh, and I think the other ones are um, the Los Angeles Time Festival of Books mugs that we get where I have, you know, I can't break those. Those, for some odd reason, those like kind of mark times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't think I've ever gotten one. Well, you you've done you, you, I think you've done panel, yeah. yeah? You you get mugs when you do panel. There you kind of got you kind of got to go get them though. Oh. So yeah, yeah, I guess I didn't know that. So like uh, yeah, like uh, so last year Jonathan Evison, uh, do you know that all, he's he's um oh my god now I'm blanking I I, I really love this author. Uh-huh. Uh, what was his first book? Jesus Christ! Sorry, Jonathan, if you're listening, but um, we had the same publisher and same agent for a while, yeah. and. So he was in town and did a quick panel, and then he had to bounce. Because I was like, hey, are you around? He's like, no, dude, i got to go back to Washington. I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah. And then I was in the green room, and I'm like, oh, wait, he's gone. And so I went over to the – I went – I took his mug. So I went over to the two ladies, and I said, yeah, uh, Jonathan Evison. And they were, like, looking through, and they went, here you go. And I was like, because he wouldn't have taken it. He was gone. Okay, yeah. look, that's legit. I respect that. Yes. I don't think I ever told him, though. Well, now everyone knows that you're a thief, and the next time they see you in the LA Times Book Fest green room, 
everyone's just going to be protecting their mugs. Or they should be more proactive on getting their mugs, or that would have never happened. So if someone's telling me they're flying out of LAX, and I know they're already on their flight path, and the mug is there, I'm going to pick up the mug. Why can't I have it? Yes. You deserve it. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. (laughs) And all the nice food and catering they do there. I love the LA Times Festival of Books. It's, it's like, it's just so much fun to like see everybody. It's just like we, it's like we get to see everybody that we. There's a lot of people I only see once a year, because yeah. they fly in and that's it. And right. it's just like, it's that. It's like our It's like the anniversary. It's that yeah, I was. That was true. That room is really fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. What was that Alan Alda movie? Same time next year, but that was more of a romantic thing. And so this is more of that. You know, it's like same time next year. Exactly. Exactly. Next, next year in Jerusalem, but next year at the USC Faculty Club, basically. Exactly, yeah. yes. Next year, Stephen Graham Jones. Um, but you're working on a book now. Is that a novel? Yes. Oh, very cool. Yes. Uh, how, how, many, how long have you been in this, uh, in this one? Hard to say, Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, off and on for... Uh, for a while, I mean, it was kind of, you know, I think after the Wangs came out, I was touring for it for really a long time. I mean, I feel like I did events for like a year to like a year and a half after, and so, so I like had kind of started thinking about this book, and then, and then really started working on it after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's. I mean, I can't believe like if, if you're on Seth Meyers and doing that kind of tour it's all consuming from what I would think I mean there's a lot of downtime but it's not like you know there's a lot of like waiting for things or, or there'll be like a week between where you're home and then you have to go somewhere kind of a thing but I'm not the greatest worker in general <laughs> so when there's a lot of distractions you know yeah. it's even harder for me yeah, yeah. yeah. now um were you on any of the local TV shows where they do the morning shows kind of thing too? Yeah. yeah, I did a few of those. I really enjoy those. Yeah. I think they're fascinating. Yeah. Yes. And also, the people that they bring in as audiences for those are really interesting. Yeah. Yes. Like, there was one that I did, I'm not going to remember where, but um, where you kind of, we had to wait... Uh, it was like the the station was in this kind of big office building, like a big office tower kind of building, and we had to wait uh, all the way like in the lobby floor. And then there are all these people from a local senior home who just walk over in the morning, and then like whoever appears, they're all the people who are the audience. Oh my god! Yeah, and then but I just love the like variety show aspect of it. Yeah. You know, like I love the fact that. Um, like on another one, there was a guy who uh, was like a, he was a chef, but they, his whole stove setup was on wheels. So he was like prepping it in the hallway and then they just wheel it in like sizzling onto the stage. I don't know, just all of that behind the scenes stuff I find really interesting for those local morning shows. Yeah, yeah. And you, are you from L.A.? You grew up here? Oh, I did. Uh, where'd you grow up? San Fernando Valley. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I just feel like it must have been so much fun to grow up here. I, but that's me coming from a dreary suburb of San Francisco. So. Well, I mean, the Valley is a suburb. Yeah. You know, and b- before you have a car, yeah. you're kind of stuck in the suburb. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then after you have the car, that's when you can really yeah. dive in. Yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, I, we didn't really, like, I went a lot of places, but, you know, before... This was pre-Yelp, so we didn't really know what was happening in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Why am I? um, I just had Rob Zabrecki a few weeks ago on the show, and and he uh, he grew up in Burbank, and he did did a memoir, and it was about when they finally got the car to get them from Burbank to Hollywood and how everything changed. And that was just, that was so intriguing to me because I... I, I think of Burbank as just being right in the middle of L.A., but it's not if you're a kid without a car. At that time, I mean, I don't know how old Robert Burke is, but... Oh, okay, so then definitely, I would guess when he was a kid, Burbank was like... kind of. I mean, unless you worked in TV, I mean, I'm, I think some of the studios were there then yeah, still, yeah. but... Well, the, the Tonight Show is still yeah, there. okay. But still, for a kid, I mean, it's still like a sleepy suburb. But yeah, yeah. And I lived, I grew up in Northridge, which is oh, okay. like way north in the valley. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's actually pretty far from, from LA. But I remember like my friends turning 16 and uh, us like driving to Melrose Avenue. And there were like so many vintage clothing stores and you know it all just seemed like so cool yeah yeah the same thing when uh, like you know 14 15 16 when some of my friends were turning 16 and they can yeah. give us a ride to san francisco right. we'd go to polk street that's yeah. used to be where all the vintage really cheap vintage uh-huh. stuff was yeah. yeah we'd be on hate street and just yeah. doing doing all of that it's right. yeah. yeah it was so fun i mean yeah. and the freedom you know yeah. of just being in a car and being able to go wherever you want to. I mean, I, there's nothing better. Yeah. 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 Except for tons of money dropping on us right now. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> oh my God. Stop the podcast immediately. <laughs> Let's go spend this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I quit this podcast. <laughs> Take this podcast and shove it, Tony. <laughs> oh my God. I was going to ask you something else about uh, Los Angeles. And then you said you, but you spent a lot of time in San Francisco going up there. Yeah. I mean, we went up there a lot when I was a kid and then I lived there briefly after college. Um, and then because of Goodreads, I went up every like month or two oh, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where was Goodreads at? Um, like close to the Embarcadero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. God, I didn't know they were right there. I was, on, I was, I was living on Gary and Polk. I could have just oh, walked down there and yeah, said, Hey, I want to do that too. What, what, what did you let? What are you letting Jad, uh, Jade Chang do? Yeah, I want. Can, can I do some of that? Might have worked. Yeah, with that voice too. Only with that voice. <laughs> Only with that exact voice. Yes. Jade, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great. Thanks. Jade Chang on Drinks with Tony. Check out her book, The Wangs versus the World. Also. We're coming up on a gift-giving season, Christmas season, Hanukkah season. What do you do? You give gifts. What should you get? You should get books. Buy books for your friends. Buy books for your family. Uh, yeah, just be like be like the Icelandic people. 
give each other books. Books just reach our mind and our hearts, and they're so wonderful. You know what's great about books? Books have writers. You know what's great about doing a podcast? I get to interview these writers who become authors of books. Continue to stay tuned to Drinks with Tony as we interview more writers. I will see you next Wednesday.